0: Just before we come and we open the Word of God together again in Psalm 139, eh, as Nigel Heath did for us a couple of weeks ago, eh, shall we just bow our heads and pray? Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the immense privilege that we have as gathering together this morning again as your people. We thank you that we can do this again in a way eh, where we are not physically gathered, but we are united in one spirit. We thank you for the joy that it is to to have our worship team physically here in the building eh, and the wonderful music ministry that they deliver to us. We thank you for for Paul and for Ian and, and what they deliver to our children this morning. And we just ask, Lord, that you would open each of our hearts. We thank you for the God that you are, the unchanging, the everlasting God who goes before us and is with us in all things. And Lord, for the plans of the church in the next couple of weeks, we just commit them all into your hands. Uh, We pray that you would be with us in our final stages of planning uh, for reopening our doors for Sunday worship. Lord, we worship you, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. We trust that you will be in in our midst this morning, and God, would you speak to each and every one of us. Amen. What I'd like to do this morning is read uh, two passages as we open uh, from Psalm 139 and verses 7 to 12, and then the first 14 verses of Psalm 148. So we'll start in Psalm 139 from verse 7, and it reads Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. And moving to Psalm 148, reading from verses 1 to 14. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all the angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him. All you shining stars, praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Sorry, fulfilling his word. Verse 9. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Verse 11. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. This morning in our uh, series, God is and the attributes of God, we are looking at God's omnipresence. Simply, we are gonna God and I just love that reminder in Psalm 148, praise the Lord, twelve times. Praise him, praise him, praise him. God is omnipresent let's start with the dictionary definition we all love a good definition of words we maybe don't sometimes understand and the hastings new testament dictionary says god is able to exert his activity everywhere god's children cannot be where he is not he is spiritually present with all earnest seeking souls everywhere Four and a half years ago now, Victoria and I travelled to Zambia, my third time back in probably my favourite country on earth. This time, uh, Victoria, not quite yet my fiancé though it was coming very soon, uh, we were out to work with a Christian charity uh, that works with children living on the streets for four months uh, and also tying that in with a uni placement. And before we headed up to Kitwe in the Copper Belt, we headed to Livingston in the south on the border of Zimbabwe to one of the seven natural wonders of the world. The Victoria Falls so we arrived we got set for our big day to the Falls and we were arriving towards the end of the wet season we were there I think early May so we arrived at the Falls and we paid the six pounds whatever it was for the green jacket and the the poncho and the Crocs because we were assured that was going to be very wet so we went for a walk this quiet roaring in the background Beautiful paths, beautiful trees, monkeys swinging from them. Just the most beautiful and spectacular place. And as we walked and walked and got closer and closer to the falls, it became louder and louder and louder. We couldn't yet see any water through the trees, but we could now feel its spray coming down on us. Something that started very light, and by the end of it, even though you couldn't see it, felt like buckets were being poured. Over your head. We had to shout to communicate with one another. The waters roared so loudly. And we came through the last of those few trees and we stood there on the opposite side of the valley. I don't know, just a couple of hundred meters from one of the largest waterfalls on the planet. I was utterly speechless. A waterfall that is a mile wide 100 meters high and for me it was a stunning moment that i saw the immensity of god's creation in comparison to that i then proposed to victoria on the edge of the falls it was cute and we lived happily ever after of course but we spent those few hours buzzing that we were engaged but also utterly mesmerized by god's Creation, the sheer scale of what stood before us. It was beautiful, and at times we couldn't help but sing predominantly, How great thou art! God, how great are you! And everything that is in front of me displays your beauty. And in that moment, I felt the presence of God. That moment is a moment that is emblazoned on my mind as a God moment. One of those times that I knew that God was real and that God was with me. Where is God? God is everywhere in his creation. We're exceptionally fortunate in Scotland to live in a land that we see God's glory displayed in creation all around us. And I love the words of Psalm 148, just from verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his words, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all rulers of earth. Young men and maiden together. Old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. What a wonderful picture of the world crying out in praise for God. Do you know God is present in every moment, not just in every sunrise or in the seven wonders of the world, but also in every sunset, and also in every moment, in every place, in every second. Scientists tell us that the smallest subatomic particles are quarks. They recognize six kinds of quarks that make up neutrons and protons that make up the nucleus of an atom. Now realize that most microscopes can barely make out the nucleus of the largest atoms and certainly cannot come close to seeing the neutron or proton and the quarks are the things that make up even those those invisible neutrons and protons. God is present in the smallest things In this universe to the largest. The largest thing in our solar system, the big ring, the magnetic sphere that surrounds Jupiter, 10 times as large as the sun. There, God is present. This is what we call the doctrine of omnipresence. Back in 1788, John Wesley wrote a sermon on the omnipresence of God, and he called it a sublime subject he used uh, the text from Jeremiah do I not fill heaven and earth declares the Lord and of that Wesley said there is no point of space whether within or without the bounds of creation where God is not Some folks have the idea that there are certain places on earth that are more sacred or more filled with the presence of God than others. For example, we call Palestine the Holy Lands. And obviously we call it that because many biblical events took there. But really there is no area more holy than another. God is no more present in Jerusalem than he is here in Hamilton. And I guess to state that positively, you can find just as much of God here in Hamilton in your own homes as you can in Jerusalem or any cathedral or any place of worship throughout this world. Some folks say that God is more in one place than another. And some folks say that God is far away. A faraway being who lives somewhere in the heavens, occasionally breaking into the world to do something miraculous. But that is not so. Because God is right here with us right now. Our God, the God of all love, the God of all grace, the God of all mercy is always near to our hearts, to our minds and our souls. Ralph Emerson said, nature is too thin a screen. The glory of the omnipresent God God bursts through it everywhere. All around us we can see the works of the hand of our God. We see it in creation. We see it in the miracle that is life. We see it in the saving acts of our God. God is creation's environment. The universe does not contain God, but God contains the universe. God is not somehow smaller than anything He has ever created, but nothing has ever existed or will ever exist that is beyond God. Everything that exists dwells within God. Just as the sea is the environment for fish, God is the environment for creation. I love this. In the New City Catechism, the the second question is, what is God? And the answer is this. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom and Justice and truth. nothing happens except through him and by His will. We see in the book of First Kings the prophets of Baal calling upon their God from morning till noon, and they received no reply. They cut themselves and they screamed at their God. They shouted at their God to come forth. And it reads at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a God. Either he is meditating or he has wandered away or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. They did cry aloud. They did shout. But Baal never responded because Baal was an idol of dead stone. But our God is not like that. We do not need to behave in a way that Baal's priests and prophets did. We do not need to cry for the presence of God because God is already present. God's presence is like the air we breathe. Good air is odourless and tasteless and invisible. And I guess to to qualify that a bit, you'll know if you've ever been somewhere that has terrible air. Kabwe in central Zambia is known as the most toxic and polluted town on the planet. And it's because of the lead mines. Sometimes the air would smell terrible. You could taste it and you could see it. It leaves many children suffering from lead poison. It was disgusting. But most of the time, we don't even think of the air we breathe, yet we depend on it for our very existence. Likewise, God's presence is all around us. And if it were withdrawn from us, none of us could survive for even a moment. This awareness of the living presence of God, is what the psalmist is discussing here in verse 7. This is what is being asked. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? We saw in Genesis of Adam and Eve trying to flee from God and hide from God. Oh, what foolishness. How foolish could you be to think that you could escape the presence of God? These rhetorical questions are an emphatic way of declaring that the presence of God is everywhere. There is no place that we are not in the presence of the living God. In verse 8, the psalmist contemplates what would happen if he tried to go up to the heavens. We generally can think of the heavens as the places where God lives. But often it is referred to in the Bible as to what is up there. The heavens. Space out there. Something out with ourselves. The psalmist is saying that if I could travel to the far out reaches of space, there I find God. If I could travel to the center of the galaxy, if I could travel to another galaxy or to another universe, I would still find God there, because even there, I cannot flee the presence of God. And then he says, what if I went down to Sheol? Sheol, the Old Testament Hebrew word for home of the dead. Often translated as graves or as the depths, possibly as hell. Basically, what the psalmist is saying here is that even if I descend into the deepest and darkest of all places, still there is God. Do you know, I love the personal way the psalmist speaks of God. I find you there. The psalmist is saying, wherever I am, I am united in a loving relationship with God. And after mentioning the heights of space in the heavens and the depths of the darkest places, the psalmist turns to this horizontal direction as to what is in front of them in the world. In verse 9, he meets the dawn and travels with the sun to the far side of the sea. This which would have been the Mediterranean Sea west of Palestine The Jewish people, for the most part, were not sailors and didn't like the sea, but the psalmist emphasizes God is there. Jonah, a great example of a biblical character who experienced the omnipresence of God is Jonah. Jonah found out the hard way that you cannot escape the presence of God. We read in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah that God had commissioned him to go to Nineveh and preach. He was to go and tell them how wicked they were. But Jonah didn't like this mission because he knew that God would show mercy to the Ninevites. These people were mortal enemies of Israel and Jonah wanted no part of God's redemptive plan for these people. So he tried to flee the presence of God. Like most people in the ancient times, Jonah didn't believe in the omnipresence of God. He believed that God was localized or that God was tied to a certain land or people. He believed that God would have no power, the God of Israel would have no power or presence outside of Israel. And in chapter 1 and verse 3, instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah booked his seat on the boat, sailing in the opposite direction. Literally on a map, the opposite direction from where God wanted him to go. He went west instead of east. He headed to Tarshish in what is now Spain, trying to get as far away from Nineveh as possible, as far away ultimately from God as he possibly could. And I imagine when this boat set sail with Jonah, he gave a massive sigh of relief and said, you yeah answer, I'm away from God and now I can go and do what I would like to do. He thought he had found a place where God was not. But what Jonah found out was that God was with him on the ship. And that God was with him even in the belly of a whale. One of the major points of the book of Jonah is you cannot escape. You cannot hide from God. But the positive way to say that is that no matter where we are, God is there with us. What a comfort for us to know. That for those of us that are in the Christ, that are in the Lord Jesus, there is nowhere that we can go that he will not go with us. Jonah teaches us that God cannot be localized in a city or a nation. God is the God of all peoples and nation. And another lesson we learn from Jonah is that God is always present whether we believe it or not. Ultimately, God is everywhere. If we choose not to believe that, that's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that this is true. Jonah could not escape the presence of God. Just as we, believers in the Lord Jesus, cannot escape the grace that is lavished upon us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And as Romans 8 puts it so wonderfully for us, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing will ever make God turn his back on you. Ever. God is the one who seeks and saves the law. Our God is the one who will leave the 99 to go for the one. Our God is the one who extends, lavishes his grace upon us. Because our God is able and our God is great and our God cares so intimately and deeply for each one of us. You see, God is everywhere in creation. Once we know and love the Lord Jesus, there is nothing that can separate us from His love and through His Spirit, which also dwells inside each one of us. How wonderful! How wonderful is that truth! So, let's take a couple of application points from this. If God is always there, what does that really mean for me? John Wesley in the same sermon he said that if we believe God is always with us in every place and every time then we should take care to quote take care not to do the least thing not to speak the least words not to indulge the least thoughts which you have reason to think would offend him and he goes on to say suppose that a messenger of God an angel Be now standing at your right hand and fixing his eyes upon you. Would you not take care to abstain from every word or action that you knew would offend him? Of course we would. I'm sure we've often been told, if Jesus was in the room right now, would you do that? How many times in our words and our thoughts and our deeds, would we offend? Do we offend God? And if he was standing in front of us, would we not do? Because although not visible, God is here, and God is present at every moment. And Wesley adds to that, how much more cautious ought you to be when you know that not a holy man, not an angel of God, but God himself, the Holy One, that inhabiteth eternity is inspecting your heart, your tongue, your hand every moment. I imagine being there in 1788 as those words are preached and the conviction of the Lord coming upon those that listen. How much more cautious should we be than not only a man, not only an angel of God, but God himself, the Holy One, that inhabits eternity, is inspecting your heart, is inspecting your tongue, is inspecting your hand every moment. Friends, we cannot hide from God, and sin grieves God. We should live our lives knowing that our lives are like an open book before God. But it should not just scare us. It shouldn't scare us. It should bring us comfort. It should drive us towards the Lord Jesus. Drive us towards him on our knees in utter desperation that we might be conformed more and more into the image of him. But the second application of that, and again, I want to quote Wesley because his sermon is utterly brilliant. Cheerfully expect that he before whom you stand will ever guide you with his eye, will support you by his guardian hand, will keep you from all evil. God will make you perfect, will establish, strengthen, and settle you and then preserve you unblameable unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God that sees everything, the God that is in everything, the God that knows us more intimately than any other person will ever know us, is also the God that is always with his people is the God that guides us and supports us and keeps us from evil. The one who will make us perfect. The one who clothes us in his righteousness. The one who strengthens us and settles us. And the one who will present us blameless before the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that we can stand before God And what he will see is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. How awesome and mighty a God does it take to be able to change the very nature of a man, to take away the sinfulness, to take away the shame, and to instead present you blameless before the holy and perfect God. This is what it means that God is omnipresent, that God is always with us, that we should always be watching our actions, our words, our thoughts, never to offend God. But we should take great encouragement with the fact that he is supporting us, that he is with us, that he is guiding us. Our God is for us and not against us. Do you know, at the beginning of this sermon, I mentioned a time when I was completely aware of the presence of God. And of course, God is with me always, not just in those incredible awe moments of of nature. But when I was really aware of the presence of God, it was a moment of exultation. I felt lifted up. I felt loved and I felt comforted. How could a God that can create such wonders care about me? How can the God that has established everything that is before us know my name, care about who I am, and ultimately seek me out and save me? God said to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 41 and verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. We do not ever need to be anxious or afraid, because God is always there to uphold us and strengthen us. And friends, that is a wonderful promise for us this morning. There is nobody else and nothing else that can promise you what God promises us as we read in Isaiah 41 verse 10. People will let us down. Things will let us down. They will not bring us the satisfaction and the gratification ultimately that we hope we will. Why would we want any of that when the promise of God is do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. With my victorious right hand. Friends, would we go into this week knowing that it is the Lord God that goes before us, that it is the Lord God that goes with us, He will never abandon or forsake you. Would we live lives that are holy and blameless before Him? And when we fall short of that, when we come to the Lord Jesus before His cross, recognizing our shortcomings. And again, acknowledging the the awesomeness of God and the fact that we have been welcomed into that family and that nothing will separate us from that love. Let's pray. Praise Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. From the heavens, praise Him in the height. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you that we can come in this way to declare who you are this morning, to declare that you are the God that is omnipresent, that you are the God that is not bound by location, that you are not a God that can only be in one place at one time. And God, that just blows our mind. It blows our mind. It is something we will never be able to fully comprehend this side of eternity. That our God is in every place, knowing every person equally. God, it blows our minds. But would that lead us to worship you? Would it lead us to recognize your immensity? To recognize how exceptional and how glorious you are? God, we thank you that your spirit dwells inside us, that nothing can separate us from the love of your Son for those that are in Christ Jesus. God, what a beautiful message. We thank you that you are the God that is always here. And God, this week, would we live lives that are worthy to be called your children? And God, when we fall short, would we come back before you again as sorry children? Sorry for what we have done and ready again to be those that are ready to extend the kingdom of God and that wanna love you and show you that love in every thought, in every word, and in every action. All of these things we lift before you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.